0: You're listening to a podcast by BI Norwegian Business School. Stability is destabilizing. This is perhaps one of the most famous quotes or catchphrases taken from the writings of the American economist Hyman Minsky. Minsky, who was born in 1919 and died in 1996, was throughout his entire career concerned about financial instability, and more generally in the pivotal role of the financial system in understanding modern and complex capitalist economies. His so-called financial instability hypothesis developed gradually throughout his career, focused exactly on how long stretches of prosperity, or as he called it, periods of tranquility, sowed the seeds of the next financial crisis. Periods of stability created the conditions for destabilizing crisis. Minsky's influence on general economic thinking during his lifetime was limited. His papers did not appear in the most prestigious journals. His ideas did not penetrate widely in the economist profession. Minsky remained an outsider. This changed, however, dramatically in 2007, just as the global financial crisis was starting to unfold. Suddenly, interest in Minsky's ideas exploded. Many started to recognize how Minsky's analysis of financial instability, and how such instability is endogenous and bred from within the financial system, was relevant in understanding the driving forces behind the unfolding meltdown of the mortgage-backed securities market. Minsky's books and articles were increasingly read and cited. His most comprehensive work, the book titled Stabilizing an Unstable Economy, published in 1986, traded at the second-hand market for more than $1,000. While the magazine The Economist had cited Minsky only once during his entire lifetime, he was mentioned in at least 30 articles between 2007 and 2016. Still, in the beginning, his ideas resonated more among investors than among economists. It was the head of the fund management group PIMCO, Paul McCulley, who first popularized Minsky's ideas. As The Economist magazine reported in the summer of 2016, it was McCulley who coined the term Minsky moment in order to describe a situation when debt levels reach breaking point and asset prices across the board start plunging. For investment analysis and fund managers, a Minsky moment has become virtually synonymous with a financial crisis. Later, also economists started to embrace some of Minsky's ideas. In a speech in 2009, before she became head of the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen said Minsky's work had, and I quote, become required reading. Similarly, the then governor of the Bank of England, Mervyn King, in 2013 stated that he agreed with Minsky's views that stability in credit markets leads to exuberance and eventually, to instability. We are all Minskyets now, the Nobel Prize-winning economist Paul Krugman has been quoted saying. So the question is, what were the essential ideas of Hyman Minsky? How did he explain financial crisis? How, in his view, should they be solved? And given that instability is developed from within the system, can crisis be prevented? My name is Espen Ekberg, I'm a professor of economic history at BI Norwegian Business School and I'm hosting this podcast on financial bubbles, crashes and crisis. And today, as you have realized, the subject of the podcast is Hyman Minsky and his theory of financial crisis. And as we have done in earlier shows, we have invited also this time a guest to help us out answering the questions we have posed. And so I'm pleased to welcome the economist and I'm also tempted to say Hyman Minsky expert, Toval Grungmo. Welcome, Toval. Thank you. So Toval, you um, uh, are basically a veteran in, in central banking. You worked for many years in the Norwegian Central Bank. Uh, you have also worked in the Norwegian Ministry of Finance and worked in the World Bank. And um, now you're retired, but you're still working and, uh, among other things, being a research associate at Levi Economics Institute at Bard in New York, where, of course, Minsky spent his the last years of his career. Um, so, um, let me start just by asking, why did you become interested in Minsky? Well, good question. Um, as you said, I
1: worked for many, many years in the central bank uh, on payment systems and monetary policy and other things, and, um, and it was not um, before the early two thousands that I started hearing about Minsky, I had an opportunity to work at the BIS, the uh, Central Bank of Central Banks, in in Basel, um, and 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 at that time I worked with Claudio Boria, who uh, who is still um, chief economist there, and Bill White, who also uh, they were actually. Uh, renowned after the crisis for having, you know, partially predicted it. Uh, But they worked on macroprudential policies and development of macroprudential policies, which have become very famous since. But this was, mind you, in early 2000s. And so, um, I I discussed Keynes with Bill White um, and and then he mentioned Minsky, uh, which led me to, to start reading him. And then Uh, In the early 2000s as well, I was responsible for a time for the financial stability report in uh, Norges Bank. And as you know, financial stability uh, uh, is comprised of several things, but in Norway, um, importantly about household debt. What Mm -hmm. is the right level of household debt? And then the definition of financial stability became prominent. You know, what is financial stability or what is financial instability? And I, I, I realized that people really didn't know. I mean, we, we had a hard time defining it. We had various indicators uh, and we worked a lot on developing quantitative indicators. And, and then, you know, you got into the question of predicting crisis and, and the methodology around that. And all of this naturally read, uh, led me to, uh, you know, explore Minsky uh, more. Um, and then for a time, I worked heavily on financial regulations, uh, um, leading up to the financial crisis in two thousand and eight nine. And actually, then I made a concerted effort to find out where I could learn more about Minsky, and I discovered Bard um, College, as you said, which is a small. College upstate New York. And they have this institute called the Economic Institute where um, Minsky spent his last I think uh, six, seven years before he died. And, and they are sort of caring for his legacy, if you wish. They have the Minsky Digital uh, Archive, which I recommend everybody to look up. And then I, I, you know, tried to find out who are the key persons there and how can I meet them. And then I met uh, Randy Ray uh, at the conference in Italy, Italy and I uh, secured an invitation. And so, in 2011 and 12, I went over there as a research um, uh, scholar. And so that was my way to sort of getting really deep into uh, into Minsky.
0: But but what you said you also you discovered really Minsky after he had died absolutely and so the question is why was not he you know well known among economists before
1: well uh, well I guess partly because you know the, it we was it, it was an American tradition institutional economic tradition that was you know clearly not prominent at Blinnern where where I got my education mm. uh, but. Um, but also because, as you said, he was not very much quoted, and um, and um, and and it was really not before the the two thousand and seven eight crisis that he he became renowned in that sense. Uh, so um, so anyway, I I was able to get over there, and and then my intention was to write about read and write about Minsky. Mm. Um, and I read a lot in the fall, I remember, um, but ended up actually writing about a slightly different topic, which was, um, you know, the central bank's role as lender of last resort. This was a key f- feature of Minsky's thinking, by the way, so it was not by chance. But it was also a coincidence because I had worked very much on lender of last resort policies in Orgas Bank. Mm-hmm. So the question is, uh, was and still is, you know, who should be saved, how much should they get, mm-hmm. and so forth. So I wrote a paper on uh, Minsky, you know, on on um, on, on um, well, endogenous money, shadow banking, and land of last resort policies. And then I planned to write more about Minsky. But then, in that process, I, I mean, this is this is sort of how you how you get into different academic subjects, in a sense. But but then I sort of discovered that she, Minsky had gone to Chicago. Mm. And to, for his undergraduate. And, and, and this was at the time when everybody was discu- discussing fiscal policy in the U.S., as was the case in 2011-12. If you recall, after the crisis, we had um, very strong fiscal stimulus, but then it was retracted and, and there was a big discussion, including in the IMF. About what to do, and and there were clear similarities between what was done in the 30s and what was the discussion then. And anyway, so <clears throat> so um, I, I ended up writing a paper about monetary policy, and 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 um, Henry Simons, who was Minsky's teacher. I mean, there are a lot of interconnections here. Mm. Um, but anyway, I mean, Minsky was uh, was very relevant after the crisis, but. You could say that he was discovered, but there wasn't that much change in the theoretical field. I mean, academic um, economics
0: was maybe not changed as much as some of us had hoped. Now, so his influence in actual economic uh, you know, theorizing has been limited also after the he got more famous, if you could say that.
1: Well, <clears throat> M- M- Minsky was... You know, I mean, if you read Minsky, he is typically very verbal. He don't use much math, even though he was he had a bachelor in mathematics. Uh, so his style is sort of eclectic and and sometimes difficult to grasp, uh, which was perhaps one reason why it was never sort of more prominent um, became more prominent in, in mainstream economics, but. Um, uh, but um, he was also a very strong policy economist. So, in a sense, he was always there. I mean, people referred to him. They, he was pretty well known, and it's not quite true to say that he was outside the mainstream because he was. He did publish quite a bit in his early career in in, um, in mainstream journals, but eventually, I think he dis, he, he felt that academic. Economics became too sterile, and this was the time when, you know, Ross in general equilibrium models uh, took over, and he was too much of an institutionalist
0: to 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 favor that direction. I, I can imagine that his, some of his think, his thinking is difficult to to put into models, and perhaps that is the reason why his in- influence has been limited or.
1: Well, let's just take an aside on, on modeling and, and theory because, you know, I think it's fair to say, and he said this himself, that, you know, depending on which uh, starting, I mean, which wh- what are your interests? Mm-hmm. If you're interested in finding, you know, how a system can can find equilibrium, that may be, you know, one way. Uh, if you're more interested in studying uh, real-life economy with complex systems, and a lot of instabilities. That's another way. And he felt that you know the latter was clearly more important. And then the other related item was the issue of money, which I understand you've had on earlier podcasts. Mm. Uh, where where you know um, uh, standard economic theory uh, look upon money as as a veil in a sense. It's uh, I mean it's not really central to the key analysis if you take like mm. real business cycle theory a la lucas uh, money hasn't much of a role but for minsky money was the key f- feature of, of capitalism actually it, and as somebody said actually claudio borio and this said uh, minsky without money is like shakespeare with hamlet without
0: well, you know shakespeare without that, hamlet oh, yeah yeah that was what really my 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 next question is why Minsky was so concerned with, with money, with and with finance more generally, and, and with banks and depth in understanding, you know, how the capitalist economy worked. He he was as I said, <clears throat> sorry he was an
1: institutionalist in the in the sense that he always felt that institutions matter, um, and and that money is one of the key features of the capitalist, uh, any any economy, but especially a capitalist economy. And so he um, he was very active in the discussions of money in the th- '60s, and and there were and, and in that time, I mean, this was a mainstream discussion. Uh, Tobin was active. Uh, Gurley and Shaw. There was the discussion of, of inside and outside money, which was prominent, and 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 then he had close affinities with Cambridge, UK, and and with the. Uh, Keynesians and, and later post-Keynesians, and, <coughs> and, and developed um, and embraced the, the idea of endogenous money, which is really to say that you know, money is not a fixed item that can be you know, uh, controlled by the central bank. It's something which is f- rather fluid. And depending on the cycle and on, on expectations, uh, you know, it, can, it can grow or, or diminish. And in fact, this is not really new in the sense that I mean, one of my favorite is Henry Thornton's paper paper credit book from eighteen o two. Okay, and he describes this process also mm. quite quite insightful. So, Minsky picked up this and 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 as you said, it's not so easy to model, but it's not impossible,
0: and it's and
1: people have tried to do it
0: later. But yes, you, you have may- seen this. You have seen this after two thousand seven eight that there come. Some papers that try to do this, uh, uh, I've seen some of some examples at least. There
1: are several. <coughs> it's it's very hard, mm-hmm. and I have friends, uh, uh, Charles Goodhart and a guy called Dimitris Tzimourkos, have tried to do this, and 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 sort of they've made complicated models that that encompasses the DSGE framework, if you wish, but it becomes pretty uh, pretty. Um, difficult to follow and i think that's the, the the there will always be this trade-off between simplification and complexity in terms of of modeling uh, real life
0: so if we can come back then to you know the, the more simple um uh, framework of Minsky his financial instability hypothesis hmm. um, which i talked to the students about really this is where we are when we talk about minsky and we are not uh, have any. We don't have any ambitions to model his ideas. So, <laughs> so really, just to understand what this theory is, is about, uh, and this catchphrase, stability is destabilizing. He talks about financial regimes, talks about the three debt structures, and then you have this Minsky moment. Mm. Um, is it possible just to give a simple, um, I guess, explanation of, of of the core of his. Uh, theory about why financial crises happen? Uh, Well, the simplest way is is
1: one you alluded to that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, stability is destabilizing in the sense that, you know, we had the great moderations after, uh, I mean, in the early 2000s, everybody thought that macro policy was obsolete. Uh, Stabilization had sort of fixed itself. And, and then, uh, you know, gradually, you saw that there was sort of Instability building up, uh, accumulating in a crisis in 2007-8. I think to understand Minsky, uh, you need to put together, you know, two elements. uh, One which was uh, clearly, uh, you know, uh, part of Keynes' investment theory. I mean, the um, the uh, uh, Minsky wrote a a separate book on, on on Keynes where he elaborated on that. Um, But then Minsky added the financial dimension. So if you put together Keynes's investment theory and then uh, the endogenous money view, Minsky took those two elements and and sort of put them together. And there you see more clearly that, you know, if you have finance, uh, which is flexible and endogenous, uh, you get a development where you know, uh, expectation of future profits is validated by, you know, good times. And then, you know, the financing shifts from equity to debt. Um, and and then increasingly, you get a more um, shaky system. Eventually, there is something happening. Um, and then you have retract—I mean, there is a contraction, and, and then people want to uh, realize— um, asset positions, and and you get the problem with liquidity, and eventually the central bank has to step in in order to save the system. I mean, the last COVID experience of the Fed is really sort of something which illustrates this vividly because, you know, I mean, I wrote about the challenges of central bank um, intervention in 2011 12, and then now you've seen what. They're up to actually in terms of extending it even further. Mm-hmm. So Minsky's, um, I think, novelty was in putting these two elements together: the investment te- theory, which, you know, by the way, as we discussed also, um, is 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 uh, quite similar to um, to Ho- uh, Hovelmo's investment theory, but then mixing it up with the finance theory of investment and.
0: Yep and and then moving the f- then when companies moving their finance from equity to debt i guess also the more important thing here is that this debt okay and it can be stable in the beginning uh, this is where i talk about this three debt structure yeah. so this um, hedge speculative yeah. and <clears throat> Yeah. why yeah. why the, why is why what is this idea behind this you know this flow from you know less from stable to less stable financing it's just a um, how you know it's a rational uh, movement of 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 uh, of, of depth structures. Well,
1: actually, <laughs> you 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 touched, touched upon a key issue, here, which is um, you know rationality and uncertainty. Because you know, as you know, in mainstream economics, it's 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 frequently um, uh, used. I mean, you frequently use uh, rational expectations and rational agents uh, mm. when you model. Um, but Minsky uh, highlighted a, an aspect of Keynes, which is uh, sometimes forgotten, which is the stress on fundamental uncertainty. And he said that this is, you know, a key feature of capitalism. And it, it's underlying uh, all of these processes where, you know, uh, especially for business investment, you are faced with an uncertain future and and as 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 stability ensure um uh, you know your expectations are 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 validated, and you think things will go on on like this forever, but it's a key feature of this uncertainty element that mm. you know it's not a matter of whether you are rational or not it's 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 the point of recognizing. That faced with an uncertain future—that is the key feature of capitalism. And when we have, or, or or with society, but when we've organized it in a capitalist society, that becomes a problem in the sense that it's very easily—it's um, uh, very easy to—I mean, it 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 <laughs> it, it breaks down. And and then it triggers something uh, which can set off an avalanche of, um, of instability.
0: So, in certain uncertainty is is, is more important here than if, you know irrationality.
1: Absolutely, uh, absolutely.
0: Because my impression is that he, he, Minsky does not think that this is irrational. This this development, but it's it's a, it's a consequence of the fundamental uncertainty of of how uh, the economy works.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Okay, so so his uh, so. His idea then is that uh, these crises, they develop from within the system. They are in a way a natural part of of how capitalism works. Um, But then, of course, the obvious question is, why don't we have financial crises all the time? (laughs) Um, There must be some way of, uh, you know, uh, preventing financial crises from happening. And I, I guess Minsky also thought about these things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> no, he was very concerned about, you know, what could be done to stabilize the system. And I can I, I think we can sort of say that, um, I mean, he was both a pessimist and an optimist in the sense that he felt that the system could be stabilized. Uh, but he also, I mean, he, he was different from the Marxists in the sense that, you know, they thought that the system would eventually collapse. His prediction was that the system would be saved uh and 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 saved but then that it would be you know elevated to another level so eventually you know there was a po- potential for a real deflation um but um you know he he felt that um big government i mean had a had a role um, meaning meaning that fiscal policy um would would help Invalidating profit. Actually, he—I mean, this is more theoretical—but he was he integrated also Kalecki's profit equation in in his thinking. So, you know, uh, a big thing there was—you um, know—if you have government deficit, that would stabilize profit in a slump. He was also, as we mentioned, um, uh, concerned about the Federal Reserve and the role of. Uh, or its role as lender last uh, lender last resort. He was also um, mostly, actually, on his later years, more concerned with these various ways of financial reform, S- talking about the good financial society and how we could achieve that. So that's regulation types of regulations, or that's type of regulation. Mm. I mean, <clears throat> I think you could. E- You could sort of go back to this question of endogenous finance, uh, which, by the way, Henry Simons, his teacher, was also discussing. And the dilemma, if you try to regulate finance, it has um, an ability to sort of uh, pop up in other directions. I mean, typically it's sort of today's shadow banking Mm -hmm. issues. And the question is, can you somehow, uh, you know, uh, constrain the system so that it doesn't go completely off the hinges? And and he um, he didn't have much uh, sympathy with uh, Henry Simon's, uh, you know, full reserve banking uh, reform. Uh, but he was very he was very uh, fond of what he called um, community development banks. I mean, I would almost think of it as as you know the old version of of our savings banks before they became you know completely mortgage mortgage financed institutions. So he was um, he was uh, clearly in favor of um, you know controlling finance, um, either also uh, you know qualitative or quantitative credit controls to make sure that credit went in the you know quote unquote right direction, mm. um, and he actually talked about the green green deal, new green new deal before it. You know, was was coined actually. He Obviously, was, yeah, he was concerned about the environment and and the effect of of of, of capitalism on 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 the, on the environment.
0: So, so you start you started very early to talk about Minsky as an institutionalist, and, mm. and uh, uh, when we ask ourselves how can crisis pre- be prevented, what you're talking about really is there is a different types of institutions that can get can uh, prevent this. Uh, um, uh, stable relations to become unstable. So you Mm. talk about big government, you talk about big bank, or he calls it big bank, the central bank. Mm. And also you talk about different types of regulations. Mm. So that was uh, a summary of of his main ideas about how crisis can be prevented.
1: Well, I just looked up some of his later writings, and in addition to the one we talked about, I mean, he also uh, actually talked about... um, uh, possibility of, of of a national investment bank. Uh, I think this is interesting because in these days where we discuss green New deal mm-hmm. and, and where we can direct finance to you know make a difference, uh, that's an idea that has been taken up by some some economists. Um, he was also in favour of direct sectoral interventions. I mean, he talked about this as possibility in housing and in agriculture. And um, and I, I, I used to say that, you know, um, there are already a sectoral bias in some of the regulations like in Norway where we have, you know, guidance on housing finance, right, for mm-hmm. the commercial banks, which indicates that we're not completely neutral. There is a, a view about where credit should or should not go. It shouldn't go to speculative second homes in Oslo, for example. Mm-hmm. There you get, mm. uh, you know, a penalty. And 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 so he was thinking along those lines, but perhaps more forcefully. He he certainly would have, I think, taken a stronger view on on controlling credit.
0: You when you talk about the central bank. You mainly talk about uh, the role of the central bank as the lender of last resort. But what about monetary policy of of uh, of the central bank? Is he interested in, or what is the role of what is the role provided by this? He yeah, thinking.
1: Uh, he he. Um, I think, uh, we should, we should mention that he was, he was in favor of discount window policy rather than open market operations for one, which means that instead of, you know, trying to steer the money market, um, through open market operations, he preferred to have commercial banks come to the central banks (coughs) for their liquidity needs combined with intensive supervision. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he he um, he, he was um, he, he he thought that cent- the central bank actually there is a discussion about who should supervise banks right so mm-hmm. in Norway we have a separate supervisory unit doing that he was clearly in favor of you know having this consolidated in the central bank but not only for banks but for all financial institution because eventually they could come and 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 have a need for lender loss resort policy, and then the central bank shouldn't just rely on collateral they should know more about the institution requesting finance so have
0: knowledge about their their balance sheet, balance sheet. The mm. um,
1: and and since he uh, and since he um, you know thought that banks should finance investment um, he was also clearly concerned about the tendency towards securitization. He wrote early about this, actually, where banks sort of just give loans and securitize them and you know, sell them in the market because mm-hmm. it sort of uh, it it removes the element of credit uh, uh, judgment that he felt was a key feature of banks actually, and and was their essential role in vetting. You know good or bad investment projects uh,
0: so I thought about this uh, there's a lot uh, of time mentioned that uh, Minsky had worked or he was a, in the board of a bank
1: absolutely uh, I
0: guess this did play an important role for his thinking you think
1: yes I mean if you if you read his book stabilizing an Unst- unstable economy which is you know <clears throat> I shall I, I will admit somewhat you know mixed in in and and sometimes difficult to grasp, there are insights in there which are just tremendously, um, you know, illuminating, and and which reflects, I think, his 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 practical experience of having been intimately involved in in the banking business. So uh, yes, clearly that's uh, an important side of his institutional mm. economics.
0: Yeah, so he managed to you know combine his practical experiences with with theoretical absolutely, thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. Um, I think actually we have... Uh, I think we have learned a lot about Minsky today. You have one more comment maybe? I have one which I uh, forgot. Uh,
1: which, uh, you know, I mean... Um, you, you Because there are two things I think we should mention. I mean, one is that there is a transition... Or there is a link between Minsky's views and an interesting discussion today about which policies to pursue especially, you know, monetary uh, fiscal policies and, and the discussion about uh, this direction called mon- modern monetary theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not by coincidence that many of those propagating those views are, you know, from Bard College or the, or, or the group around them. Yes, sure, S- sure. Stephanie, uh, mm-hmm. Stephanie Kelton and Pavlina and and, 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 um, and Ray. But one important thing which I forgot to mention, which was part of Minsky's sort of policy prescription, was not only lender of last resort by the central bank, but this notion of employer of last resort, uh, um, because he f- he's he clear and 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 related to monetary policy. He was clearly not in favor of of using the m- interest rate to you know uh, move. Uh, you know, the cycle up and down. He felt that interest rates should be low and stable, uh, but that the central goal should be full employment and that the government should take key role in providing employment uh, at a decent wage and that that would become more of a stabilizer than, you know, the interest rate. And, and so the employer of last resort uh, is a key element, actually, of his policy package
0: that's quite interesting i guess it's very special uh, i haven't i have heard the expression of course but it's uh, yeah. it's I, I don't think it has been picked up by many or
1: uh, it, it's uh, there are two there there are two books which um, uh, recent books one one by Randy Ray which is called why minsky matters he he has addressed this there and then there is another book by um, by this economist from Bard Pavlina Chernyna something uh, which <laughs> is uh, Which is directly dealing with it, but Minsky was actually uh, not much in favor of um, of welfare, the welfare state, if you wish. But he was he was clearly favoring uh, the labor line, or I mean, people Mm -hmm. should get decent labor, and it should be offered. Could be offered by uh, some state institutions, and he was referring to. You know the experience under the um, uh, Roosevelt administration when they had a lot of public mm-hmm. works project. Notes of this uh, should be mentioned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Um, we have tried now to grasp the the basic ideas of Hyman Minsky and his views on on why financial crises happen. Um, as we have heard in an earlier podcasts, there are a number of theories about why financial crises happen, and Minsky's theory is one of them, and it has become increasingly popular in in recent years, or at least since the 2007 2008. And it was really interesting to have you here, all uh, while talking about this theory. And thank you very much for coming. And um, I hope you enjoyed listening, uh, every one of you out there. And um, we'll be back later with uh, new shows. Thank you. Thank you. This is a BI production. Listen to more podcasts. Go to bi.no slash podcasts.